Get Out of Your Own Way with Brittany A. Johnson is a podcast where we learn all of the ways we trip, stumble, and get in our own way and what we can do to get out of it. I want to insert this disclaimer that while I am a licensed mental health therapist, this is not therapy. This is not a substitute for therapy. This is, however, something that you can listen to to give you some insight, give you some ideas, some things to think about, and work with the therapist in your local area if you need one. Stay tuned for today's episode. Welcome to today's episode. So today we're gonna kind of, we're gonna talk about anxiety, or what I like to call the hurry up and wait syndrome. So anxiety shows up in many different forms, and we're gonna kind of talk about that all those today. But what I wanted to start with was talking about a conversation that kind of led to this episode, or conversations I should say, because there's been multiple of that have led to kind of me wanting to just do an episode strictly related to anxiety. Now, since I started my podcast, I've kind of avoided kind of doing these kind of direct episodes. But after these conversations I've had the last few weeks, I felt like it was pertinent to really just kind of go ahead and dig into, you know, anxiety, what it looks like, how it shows up, the different types of anxiety from a clinical sense, but really going at it and talking about it from what we experience on our in our everyday lives or what people who have anxiety typically report feeling like. So the way this whole thing kind of started was I had a conversation that then led to another conversation and then led to another. And by the end of like the last few weeks, I really have just been, I've had probably 10 or 15 conversations with people and they've described things ranging from feeling like that they are always on a treadmill with, with high heels on and they can't get off or feeling like that there's just kind of this never-ending road they're driving on. That There's no stop signs. There's no stoplights. There's no left or right turns. It's just never-ending, long, you know, almost like doom and gloom, so to speak. And then kind of just have this feeling of like their stomach is just always in knots. Or their stomach just feels like it's about to jump through their throat. And just kind of having this overall uneasy feeling. And so when I was talking to one of my close friends and she was describing, you know, just feeling like no matter what she does every day, she feels like she can't catch up. She can't stay on top of things. She feels like that her house is always, you know, always staying dirty. Just nothing she does or tries to do kind of helps her to feel like she's done enough. And that even when she goes to sleep, her mind just won't stop thinking about all the things that she didn't get done that day. And the things that she wants to add to the next day. And then just really just describing this kind of never ending to do list. And so at the end of that conversation, I was like, you know what? That sounds like anxiety. And like clockwork, which happens to almost all of us. She was like, why do I, why would I be anxious? Why do I have to be anxious about? I don't have anxiety. My life is great. And so because it was my friend and we've been knowing each other for a long time, I kind of chuckled and was like, okay, you know, and then I ended up explaining to her and and discussing with her kind of what anxiety looks like, what anxiety is and like how you can define anxiety. And so if we start thinking about what anxiety is or how we can define anxiety, it really can just kind of be described as this kind of overwhelming or over, yeah, let's say overwhelming that tends to or tends to impact all of your day. But if we look at kind of the way that psychologists define anxiety or the APA definition, it is this emotion characterized by feelings, tension, worried thoughts and physical changes like an increase in blood pressure, an increase in an increase in your heart rate, um, 
probably feelings of, of nausea or symptoms of nausea or just, again, this kind of uneasiness. So that's kind of the definition based on many psychologists and, and things like that. And so when we start thinking about the way I define anxiety to my clients and to other people, it's just kind of like it's your body's central nervous system alerting you to something going on. But what it tends to feel like for a lot of people, not everyone, because it does show up differently for different people and for different reasons. But one of the common things that, that people describe is really feeling like, again, that they are on this never ending wheel or this never ending uh, treadmill that they just can't get off of. And no matter what they do, like they are just kind of always in a hurry, but at the same time, they're waiting. And that wait is like this sense of dread, right? That there's this waiting around to see like what's going to happen or is something going to happen or, you know, really trying to figure out what is, what is their body alerting them to? What's happening that their body feels like they need to kind of be alerted to or on edge or just kind of on guard about. In a more mild sense, we can also describe anxiety as just kind of an overall stress or an increased amount of stress because we all experience stress and we all kind of have things that we do for stress. But when it comes to anxiety, it's kind of that like being stressed for a long period of time and not necessarily knowing that there's going to be an end date. Or even if you do know that there's an end, still just kind of being excessively worried about what's going to happen, how it's going to happen, how it's going to look, how it's going to impact other people, how it's going to impact you. Right, so those are just kind of like that classic textbook definition and example of kind of anxiety. But when I've talked to people, that's not necessarily what people show up and say, right? That's not what you you tell your friends or family when you're experiencing anxiety. Typically, you say things like, I just can't shake this feeling that something's going to happen. I just feel it in my gut that something bad is about to happen. And I just need people to, you know, really listen to me. I need people to kind of know that what I'm talking about. And then you'll hear people that kind of describe what we would, what we in the therapeutic world would consider a panic attack, which is that kind of hyperventilating, unable to catch your breath, um, really feeling like you are kind of about to die in a sense. I know that sounds a little bit dramatic, but in the middle of a panic attack, it does feel that way. And for some people, it feels like they're having a heart attack. So you'll hear people describe that they went to the hospital with these you know, symptoms and these feelings and they didn't know what was going on. And so they landed on anxiety or panic attacks. And then, you know, again, because while we are making advances and we're making progress with how we treat and view mental illness, there still is a stigma. So a lot of people don't want to acknowledge that they have anxiety and they want to be able to say things like, I have no reason to be anxious or I don't have, you know, there's nothing going on that I should be worried about or I'm stronger than that. So therefore, that thing really doesn't bother me. But in reality, our bodies are letting us know that something is bothering us. Now, for some of us and for some people, their anxiety started when they were children. They may have grown up in households where they were just unsure, not necessarily unsure that there's going to be violence, but just unsure in general. It could be because violence was was possible. It could be because you just didn't know what was going to come next. Maybe you had older siblings that were more chaotic or more aggressive or more unpredictable. So you just kind of were worried and waiting to see like what they were going to do. Or you could have had parents that, you know, were violent or aggressive or just overly loud. So therefore, you know, as a child, your body stays on guard to kind of know and see like what's going to happen next. And so as you move into your adulthood, your teenage years in adulthood, you start to notice things like, you know, your stomach is kind of always in knots. You, you think that it's certain foods that you eat that are causing it. But in reality, it's just kind of your body just being 
so tense and so tight for so long that it's just trying to find a way to regulate itself. So those are kind of things that, you know, people typically describe. You might also hear people talk about like their legs won't stop moving or that restless leg syndrome. That's also kind of a sign that, you know, that's also a form of anxiety. So what are other forms of anxiety? Because I know people tend to not necessarily know. And so this is just kind of me giving you the, the therapeutic definitions or the therapeutic examples of what we consider anxiety. So there are many types and many forms of anxiety, but the common ones that people will describe or show up to therapy for are what we call generalized anxiety. And that's an anxiety where you just, it's not necessarily related to one particular thing. It's just kind of a overall kind of doom and gloom feeling, kind of this overall feeling that everyday life things are going to go wrong or you're going to um, just be in danger all the time and about everything, right? So you, you meet some people who have what we call phobias, which also is kind of a form of anxiety. So that might be phobias or things like, oh, I'm afraid of spiders or I'm afraid of bridges or I'm afraid of you know, guns or things like that because I'm just worried that, that these things are going to overwhelmingly hurt me. So that's one, those are two types of anxiety. Then you have what we call that social anxiety. So a lot of people will come in and say things like, you know, I can't be in a social setting without uh, feeling like I need to have an adult beverage or I need to have some other type of substance in my system because I'm just so worried about the things I say, the way I look, that someone is going to hear me talk and think that I'm stupid or say I'm stupid or someone's or I'm going to say something that's going to rub someone the wrong way. So that's that kind of social anxiety. You're just kind of on edge and worried about what you're going to say and kind of how you show up and what it's going to look like to another person. And then we have that what I've already described, which is that panic disorder, which is where your your heart rate does increase, your breathing gets labored or, or fast, and you really are just kind of struggling to make sense of what's happening around you. And then we do have, you know, things like seasonal affective disorder or seasonal affective anxiety. So that also kind of falls and can be on the, the side of depression as well. But in terms of anxiety, you're just kind of worried about the daylight being gone you worried about what that's going to mean for your overall health and how you're going to kind of keep yourself in a positive light. And then as we kind of move to what some would consider more extreme, it's going to be those um, that OCD or obsessive compulsive disorder. Now, I know we all like to joke and say that we are OCD about our house or we're OCD about our car or things like that. But OCD really does impact people and cause an increased anxiety because if it, your brain starts to tell you if you don't do this certain ritual and you don't do it compulsively, that something bad is going to happen to you or your family or, or people that you know and like and love. And then kind of what we would consider like that top one is going to be that post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD. Now that, again, can correlate over to depression as well, but it typically shows up in the form of anxiety. It shows up in, a, in that the fact that you can't sleep or you're afraid to go to sleep. It shows up in, in that you are triggered by certain smells and thoughts, and it causes your body again to go in that alert status, alert status and causes that fight, flight, or freeze to kick in. So, you know, those are kind of the categories and types. So what do you do? What does it look like for you? How do you manage it? What does it also cause you to do? So the number one or number two thing that I've noticed anxiety cause people to do is either procrastinate or rush through things. 
So it can happen either way. It can make you, you can get to the point where you are so worried about something not going right that you just completely avoid the, the situation at, at all costs, right? So let's think a college student. If you're worried about something, you may just completely avoid getting the paper done or even showing up in class or showing up at the event, um, all the way to like work situations where you might just really start calling in sick and things like that because you just don't want to deal with the doom and gloom or what you think is going to be that doom and gloom. And then also it can cause you to kind of do things in a hurry. So you may be worried about, again, what you what your brain is trying to tell you, which typically is not true, is going to happen. So you start hurrying through things. You rush through everything that you are working on. So you may rush through and, and put something out into the world that you really wasn't ready for. If you're kind of an, an entrepreneur or content creator, you may say things prematurely to people around you that, you know, you haven't really flushed out or thought about. So it can cause you to do all of those things. And like I said before, it is your body's alert system. So anxiety is natural and normal in many settings. But what tends to happen is our bodies stay kind of on that alert status for too long. And now we do have some other physical things happening. And we notice that our thoughts are just racing and they're running and they're just all over the place and we can't calm down. And so what do you do? What can you do? So there's many things that you can do, which range from, you know, seeing your physical doc, your medical doctor and taking medication. You can do some mindfulness meditations. You can start to, you know, see a therapist. There are so many things that you can do. But my number one thing that I always tell people to do is to calm your body because it's impossible to have anxiety in a calm body. And what I mean by that is my favorite thing of deep breathing. Everybody who knows me knows that deep breathing is my go to. It is my number one thing that we're going to I'm going to tell you to do first to start the process. And then we build from there. So you want to start doing those deep breathing exercises to calm your body and get your body body back to kind of that normal state. The other thing you can do is to start really looking at your daily routine and looking at what are the things that I'm doing throughout this day that are causing me to feel like I need to hurry or to procrastinate or feel like things are going to go wrong and start looking at is there something I can start doing to think in a different way about this or do I need to not avoid it altogether but but change how I do it or adjust how I get this certain task done so really being aware of your triggers and and you know what you may need in those moments are the number one or number two or top things that you can do to kind of help yourself when it comes to anxiety for my anxious mamas out there this is where I really want you to be thinking about what are the priorities I need to get done for my kids each day, right? So yes, we have these bonus things that we want to do. And we all want to be the moms that can do the Pinterest activities or spend lots of time playing with our kids. But that may not be what what is in your cards for that day or that week. So really starting to look at what are the things that I can do each day that can make me feel like I have accomplished something as a mom. And that can be as simple as making sure your kids have had food, that you've asked them about their days, things like that. Like those are things that you can do to kind of help your anxiety. Same thing for your everyday life. Start looking at the areas that typically cause you to feel the most stress and looking at what you can do differently in those areas. Is it that you need to change your schedule around? Do you need to do certain things in the morning as opposed to at night? Do you need to put yourself on some type of routine or schedule? Like really starting to look at those things to see like what do I need to do? But overall, overall and overwhelmingly, I want you to give yourself grace. I want you to be able to look yourself in the mirror and tell yourself, self, 
And it's okay that we didn't get done everything we wanted to. It's okay that we're not everything that we want to be. But where we are right now is super important. And where we're going is super important. And we can get there one day if we take it one day at a time. Because trying to do everything at once will only increase your anxiety. The other thing to think about is what are the other underlying or emotional things that tend to make you, make you be anxious? Is it, your, is it your relationships? Do you have people in your life that because of their energy, whether they, you know, they may be fast moving or they may be extremely you know, slow procrastinators, do they cause you to feel a certain way? Do they cause you to feel like you need to adjust? Is it the fact that you may have someone in your life that you don't trust fully? That's a huge one. And if that's what's going on with you, I definitely recommend you kind of link yourself with a professional or in some setting, whether it be group or whether it be, um, you know, just getting daily tips or actually seeing a complete, you know, a professional for individual therapy. But if it's about making sure that you have a trusting person in your life, it's definitely important that you get with the right people to make sure that you are, you know, supported and you have coping skills and you have all the things that you need for that. Because the last thing you want to do is be in a situation where you are constantly feeling on guard about the people around you. And this doesn't mean cut off all your contacts and start new unless that's what you want to do. And then that's a whole other conversation for a different day. But it is looking at what do I need to do when I'm in the presence of these people? Do I need to increase my breathing? Do I need to gently prepare for what I want to talk about in their company and when I'm in front of them just really starting to look at the things that you you know need or want to do for yourself in that way and if you notice that it's kind of happening at night then I want you to really take some time before you go to bed or as part of your bedtime routine to start looking at what do I need to start saying what do I need to start doing is there certain things that I can you know do while I'm in my shower or in my bath or as I'm laying down to start to again calm my body because remember it's impossible to have anxiety in a calm body and I know people will be like yeah right so here's that here's your chance to test it and let me know what you think but I definitely know from experience personal and professional that it is impossible to be anxious if your body is calm so look for things that will keep your body to will start to help your body calm down so that when your body is doing its job of alerting you, you really can focus on what the alert is about and if it is real danger or not coming. Because sometimes it is real danger. And when I say danger, it can be that physical, like your life is in danger, but it also can just be danger in terms of your brain and your body know that certain people are triggering you to remember things or triggering your body to remember things that it's experienced in the past. So you want to be able to hear that, listen to that and trust it, which is why you have to make sure that all other times you've trained your body to be calm, not avoidance, not disassociating or that intense daydreaming, but really just being in a space where you can remain calm. And know that if your body is alerting you to something or your brain is alerting you to something, that it is something you need to give extra attention to. Let me know what you think and let me know your ways that you handle anxiety. Until next time. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you found the episode insightful and helpful to you on your journey. Please hit the subscribe button and also leave a rating and a comment if you are listening on iTunes and Spotify. If you'd like to stay connected with me, please follow me on social media at Brittany A. Johnson LMHC on Instagram and LinkedIn and Brittany A. Johnson on Facebook. 
You should also head over to my website and subscribe to the mail list so that you can stay fully connected and be first to know when something new is coming out. And that's BrittanyAJohnson.com. Until next time.